Welcome to God's Truth. I'm your instructor, Dr. D. Todd Harrison, as we continue to seek out God's truth. Today, we're looking at the Apostle Paul's epistles to the Philippians and to the Colossians. We've spent the last several weeks looking at Paul's other epistles, beginning with the Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, and on. So today, we now move to the next two books of Scripture in Philippians and Colossians as we see how the Apostle Paul testified and taught of Jesus Christ and his gospel. And of that same Lord and God, Jesus Christ, I testify as one of his witnesses that he lives today. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. He sits as a glorified, resurrected being in the highest of heavens. Let's look today now at the uh, Philippians. And uh, we'll begin with Philippians chapter 1, 1 through 18. Paul and Timotheus, so this is Timothy, we'll soon in, a, in upcoming lessons get to the epistles to uh, Timothy. Uh, this is the, the same Timothy, so this is the epistle that Paul and Timothy both wrote. The servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and the deacons. Uh, so again, showing that in the early church, uh, uh, there were bishops and deacons, so to know that you found the true church of Jesus Christ among the administrative offices in that church should be bishops and deacons. If you don't have bishops and deacons, you don't have the true church of Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace, always including both the Greek and the Hebrew uh, greetings, uh, the, the indicating that this, while it's in, um, dedicated to the Philippian saints, is intended to be spread throughout the world. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for all you, for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, when you first became baptized, became a baby Christian, he began a good work in you, that he will continue to perform it and increase it into even a, a, a better work until the day of Jesus Christ returns for the second coming. Even that it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, and as much as both in my bonds, remember he's been arrested multiple times, and in the defense, and, and he's writing this as a prisoner in Rome. So he's writing this epistle while, while literally in bonds, right? He's under house arrest, but we don't know what that entailed. And in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, Ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness. So once again, Protestants, <laughs> evangelicals, Pay attention to your guy here, right? He didn't say here, he didn't say all you need to do is accept Jesus as your Savior and you have the assurance of salvation from there there on out. It doesn't matter how you live your life. It doesn't matter what kind of, the kind of sin you are. As long as you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you will be saved. It doesn't say that. Paul never said that. Never, not one time. What does he say here? He wants you to be sincere and without offense, without sin until Christ comes. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness. You need to live a righteous life. Paul has continued to preach that over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. But I would that you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather into the furtherance of the gospel. Oftentimes we wonder why we're persecuted, why, we, why we're afflicted, why we suffer all kinds of trials in our lives. But if we allow to ourselves to be to stay humble under the guiding hand of God, God will use it for the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul just said here. So that because the fact I was arrested in, here in Rome, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace, right? They all know about me here in, 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 the, in the emperor's palace in Rome, right? They all know about Jesus Christ and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds. They, they saw my example. Therefore, they became bolder in preaching Jesus Christ. 
Samadhi, preach Christ of envy and strife. So uh, some teach false things about Jesus Christ and, you know, cause contention and, uh, you know, uh, the false doctrine to be spread out, which will lead to contention. So again, forecasting and foretelling of this beginning apostasy in the early church, that people are teaching false Jesus Christ in addition to the true the biblical Jesus being priests, just like now today we have it, right? We're from the uh, media and uh, newspapers and, you know, being preached to Jesus Christ that never existed. Uh, that's totally contrary, 100%, to the Jesus Christ of the Bible, the biblical Jesus, totally different than the one preaching in today's society about this all-loving Jesus who just loves everybody and just tolerates all kinds of sin, totally contrary to the Jesus and the God of the Bible from Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation. So just uh, Paul's beginning to have this in his own day. False Jesus Christ being preached. And some also of goodwill. So some were preaching Jesus of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely. Supposing to add affliction to my bonds, right? To make Jesus look bad. This Paul must be bad because he's preaching this bad Jesus. Therefore, let's you know throw him into jail longer, right? But the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel, what then notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice, because of my bonds of leading the true Jesus to be preached, therefore I will rejoice in my bonds. 21, he says, for to me to live is Christ. If I live in the spirit of Christ, I'm truly living. If I die, is gain, right? Because then I will inherit eternal life in Jesus Christ's presence. 23 through 25. For I am in a strait betwixt two. So, so I, I, have, I have an issue here, right? I'm trying to decide whether it's best for me to just die and depart and be with Christ which is far better, or do I need to abide in the flesh? Because that might be more needful to you. You need to have a true preacher of the gospel, preaching the true gospel of Jesus Christ. We've already seen the church already in apostasy, basically, because even the administrative leaders of the church are leading the people astray in that they're preaching that even though Jesus Christ came, they have to keep the law of Moses, they have to be circumcised, and all these things. So the only one that's listening to God is is Paul, so he needs to still be alive to continue to try to fight the, you know, Peter, James, and John, and the 12, and, and stuff, and trying to preach the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, we continue on then now to, let's see, in 24, nevertheless, abiding in the flesh is more needful for you, and having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for the furtherance and joy of faith. And 29, for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, right? So that's a, a blessing. That's a blessing that we all have received, not only to believe in Christ, but to be uh, able to suffer for the sake of Jesus Christ. Because as Jesus said in the Mount of Beatitudes, you know, that uh, uh, those are, you know, going to be persecuted. Uh, you know, for righteousness sake, theirs will be the kingdom of, of heaven. So we know that a lot of you are in parts of the world where if, if your neighbors found out that you're a Christian or a believer in Jesus, you might be killed. You might be arrested. Any number of things happen could happen to you. Just know, like Paul said here, it's a blessing to not only believe in Jesus, but to suffer for his sake. And God will greatly reward you if you need to do so. Okay, so that's the end of chapter 1. We'll move to chapter 2. Let's look at verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Right? So you don't want to do that out of strife, and you don't want to do a vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem each other better than themselves. Now, again, you know, this is coming from Paul. Now, again, this is proof that uh, to be a true religious leader of God, you don't have to be a perfect person. You don't have to live a perfect life. You can have weaknesses. You can have flaws. Here's, but the true preachers of Jesus Christ will teach not their own opinion, not their own selves, 
but they'll teach the word of Jesus Christ and what God has told them to say. So we've seen this before. Paul has taught the same doctrine, but yet what do we know about Paul, right? Paul's gone around saying, well, I've had more revelations than the president of the church and the 12 apostles. I've, you know, I can speak in tongues better than anybody else. I can prophesy better than everybody else. I have greater faith than everybody else. Yeah, in fact, even before I became a Christian, I kept the law of Moses better than all the Pharisees, right? He's, he's, he certainly does not this uh, humble guy esteeming each other better than himself, but God told him to say it. That's why Paul's saying it, even if he that may have personal opinions different. At least his personal character is quite different than, than this verse of scripture, right? Okay, let's go on now to 5 through 12. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, right? He was in the form of God because prior to coming to the earth, he was a spirit, right? He was a spirit at that point in time. He came to earth, received his body of flesh and bones, and was raised and resurrected with that same body of flesh and bones, so that now today he has that flesh and bones. He did not die a second time to become a spirit again. Those who believe that Jesus Christ is a spirit today, as is taught by the Trinitarian creeds, that is false doctrine, false heresy, needs to be rejected and cast out of Christianity once and for all. It's about time. It's been around for nearly 2,000 years. Time to get rid of such heretical, heretical false doctrine. Being in a form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So he, 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 uh, he became a, the, you know, one of the mightiest spirits ever. Uh, the mightiest, uh, perhaps, and uh, became equal to God while yet still a spirit before he even obtained his physical body. He made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant, being born as a baby in Bethlehem, and was made in the likeness of man, and being found in fashion as a man with flesh and bones. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God hath also highly exalted him. So again, two beings, not one being who's manifested himself in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Two separate beings. God, on the right hand, God is raising Jesus to, to be equal to him, right? That's two beings, two beings. And, and um, wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus Christ every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, right? And later we're going to get more clarification on that in the book of Revelation, that these are some sort of creatures or uh, living beings that live in the earth and under the earth, right? Uh, but uh, here he's calling here the italics is things that's missing in the original manuscript. But so it's really the people, the people uh, both in um, heaven and people on earth and people under the earth shall all bow the knee and confess that Jesus is the Christ. And we saw that already in the new in the the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where it even said eventually, finally said that all the devils, wherever Jesus went, were all falling down on their knees and confessing that Jesus was the Christ, right? The uh, book of James, he'll say that even the devil believes in Jesus Christ, right? So we saw that already, and that will continue to always take place. And we will look at uh, verse 11, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And again, you false uh, uh, Christians, those of you evangelicals and Protestants, again, he's bashing down your false religion, your non-biblical form of Christianity. It is not biblically based. Look what he just said, that that all things, all, everybody, including the devils, including the devils, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. According to your false doctrine, your false heretical doctrine, the devil then would be saved. The devil and all the devil and all the devils, all his angels, the one third of the hosts of heaven that fell from heaven became the devil and his angels. That they're all going to be saved because they confess with their mouth that Jesus is the Lord. Right? Obviously, that is a false doctrine. 
and you need to reject such false heretical doctrine coming out of those false abominable creeds of the Trinitarian creeds. Okay, and verse 12, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Ooh, here we go, guys. Here we go, evangelicals, Protestants, your own man again, Paul. I keep pointing out to you, if you actually read the Bible, you see that your doctrine is completely false and heretical. Look what he's going to say right here. But now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Isn't that interesting, right? You like to take great offense and be so offended by 2 Nephi, it was 2 Nephi 25, verse 23, don't you? You make videos. You go approach people, uh, just the average member of the church off the street and try to confuse them by taking 2 Nephi 25, 23 out of complete, uh, out of the context and try to distort it and try to, and try to attack true Christianity. But you're Paul. He just made it sound much worse than 2 Nephi 25, uh, 23. We're going to look at 2 Nephi 25, 23. And next year in the Book of Mormon, we'll look at it you know, again. But we're about to, to look at that. But this may, this your guy. That should be way more offensive to you than what you're going to read in 2 Nephi 25, 23. He just said, Paul just said that you have to work out your own salvation. To you, that's a horrible idea. That you know, true Christians would believe that you need to actually be baptized and uh, you know, and uh, repent of your sins. You know, and do, do sort of, those sort of basic uh, works and do ordinances of the gospel to be saved. But yet here, Paul is saying that you need to work out your own salvation. Right? I mean, pay attention to the Bible before you go out blasting off your mouth and saying uneducated things. You need to know and read. What your own guy is saying here and what your Bible is teaching. He just said, in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now let's look at your Second Nephi 25-23 that you love to make videos about and try to lead away and cause thousands of people to lose their testimonies in the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Approach these people on the street and come up and try to confuse them by presenting it out of context to them. Okay, let's look at 2 Nephi 25-23. Those of you who don't know what I'm talking about yet with 2 Nephi 25-23, you're going to get this uh, all next year. Uh, so just, just pay attention to what we're saying here today. Uh, next year, maybe we'll see how we can help you get a copy of this. 2 Nephi 25-23. Now, first of all, the first thing your false religious leaders do is they fail to look down at the bottom of the page. When you look down at the bottom of the page, is that clear enough on the camera? Right above my finger. What year? Is that clear enough? Maybe it's not clear enough. What year was Second Nephi twenty-five written? It says between five hundred and fifty-nine and five hundred and forty-five BC. What was happening in five hundred fifty-nine BC? While the Jews were doing what? Keeping the law of Moses, right? Believing that they're working out their own salvation by the way they're keeping the law of Moses, right? So let's look at 2 Nephi 25, 23 in that context. For we labor diligently to write, to persuade our children and also our brethren to believe in Christ and to be reconciled to God. For we know that it is by grace that we are saved after all that we can do. But yet your false religious leaders take a lot of offense to that. And they make videos on YouTube to try to lead astray thousands of people because they don't like what it says here, that it's by grace that we are saved after all we can do, implying that we have to do something. It's not just a matter of believing in Jesus and accepting him as the Lord and Savior. The devil and his angels do that too. We just looked at already, right? You get so offended by, by grace that we are saved after all we can do. But yet Paul, your own guy, he just said you have to, it's not even by grace. According to Paul, it's not even by grace. By Paul, Paul in Philippians 2, verse 12, he's saying you need to work out your own salvation uh, with fear and trembling. He doesn't talk anything about relying on grace. 2 Nephi 25, 23 is far more pro-grace than your own Bible, than your own Apostle Paul in Philippians 2, 12. How do you like that? That's the truth. That's the reality. And take a look at it. Philippians 2.12.
This is also 2 Nephi 25-23, the fact that it's even talking about grace here. And we'll read the next verse here too. The false religious leaders making these YouTube videos like to fail to mention verse 25 also. So they take out of context, first of all, that this is written 559 to 545 BC when they're living under the law of Moses, right? Which you have to try to work out your own salvation. But they're already, the, this is the most pro-grace uh, religious scripture prior to the New Testament, without a doubt, because here it's actually talking about Christ and grace 559 years before Jesus Christ. Look at 25. For for this end was the law of Moses given. Wherefore the law hath become dead unto us, and we are made alive in Christ because of our faith. Yet we keep the law because of the commandments. We've been commanded in 559 B.C., to keep the commandments of Moses. Therefore, we keep the law of Moses because we've been commanded to do so. But yet, even though we're keeping the law of Moses, yet we know that it's actually by grace that we're saved, you know, after all we can do. That is far more pro-grace, pro-Christ, uh, than any other Old Testament re period uh, religious scripture. And totally, totally far more pro-grace than your Apostle Paul. Your Apostle Paul Philippians 2.12 just said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. False religious evangelicals, you need to repent. You need to ask God to forgive you of your sins, forgive you for attacking the true church of Jesus Christ. And you need to come unto a saving relationship with the biblical Jesus. And I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to do so. Stop spreading Satan's lies and deceiving thousands of people, leading them astray from the biblical Jesus. Come back, come back to the faith, come back to biblical Christianity. Okay, so going back now, Philippians chapter 2. And we'll look at 14 through 18. Do all things without murmuring and disputing, right? that you may be blameless and harmless. The sons of God. Remember, it's conditional becoming the sons and daughters of God. Paul's talked about it very clearly multiple times, hasn't he? How do you become the sons of God? By becoming blameless and harmless, not by accepting Jesus as your Savior. The devil does that. The devil and all his angels accepts Jesus as the Lord and Savior. No, you become the sons of God by becoming righteous, by becoming blameless and harmless, without rebuke. In the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I might rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and so I don't want to feel like I wasted my time traveling to all your cities in, in the ancient times. It was hard to get back and forth different places. I want to feel that you guys have come into a true saving relationship with Jesus Christ, that I have not wasted my time in, in labor. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. If I'm, if I'm about to be beheaded here, which I am, you know, I will rejoice uh, and, and be, enjoy, uh, be joyful and rejoice with you. For the same cause also do ye rejoice and rejoice with me. And 24 through 30. But I trust in the Lord that I myself may come shortly to 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 uh, to Philippi. Yea, yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, be before I'm able to get out of these bonds here in Rome and, and make it there. But your messenger and he that ministered to my wants, for he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that ye had heard that he had been sick. So you had heard that he'd been sick and he was worried because you were all worried about him. For indeed he, indeed he was sick nigh unto death. But watch this. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. So God ultimately, despite it, no matter how many trials you think you have in your life, God is still, just as he did to Paul, right, having mercy upon you, that you should not have sorrow upon, upon sorrow. It may feel like that, but it would be much worse if God wasn't there you know, uh, giving, granting mercy to you and helping you through those trials. I send him, therefore, the more carefully that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. 
Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation, because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. So here's a guy who almost worked himself to death in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? You know, it may, may be that said of, of us, right, that, that we almost worked ourselves to death for preaching Jesus Christ. Okay, moving on to Philippians chapter 3, and we'll look at 2 through 10. Here we go. <laughs> Can't get very far in the Pauline uh, corpus without another attack coming up against James, Peter, John, and the 12. Here we go. Verse 2, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. So here he attacks them as being dogs right now. Ancient Israel, that you did not have dogs as your pets, right? That's in today's society. Dogs were wild animals who went around eating anything and therefore in the culture that was so into dietary laws, according to the law of Moses, any animal, whether a pig or a dog, th those are unclean animals, right? So, so he's calling, he's calling the leaders of the circumcision, which we know to be James, Peter, and John, and the quorum of the twelve apostles. Here he's actually calling them dogs. We've seen him level all kinds of uh, things against those guys, but here he actually calls them dogs. Okay, so he says here, and we're going through. Um, Verse 10, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof, he might trust in the flesh, I even more. So here we go again. Remember, he just talked about, you know, humbling yourself, thinking each other greater than yourselves. And he can't make it very far, can he? <laughs> right here in chapter 3, uh, you know, the next, just one chapter later, right? He, he can't handle it anymore, right? So he says, you know, I, I, if you think you can trust in the flesh, I even more than any of you. Why? Because I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, of Hebrew, a, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. As touching the law of Moses, I was a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. I was keeping all the 613 commandments perfectly, the 300 plus that you need to do and the 300 plus and the, the, the prohibitions that you're not supposed to do. I was keeping them perfectly. I was the greatest perfect being that ever lived on the earth. But what things were gained to me, those I count lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but crap, uh, uh, dung here, you know, the, the human waste, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, right? By keeping the law of Moses, you make yourself righteous, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness, which is of God by faith and keeping the Ten Commandments, not the law of Moses. He's made that very clear through all of these epistles that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings be made confirmable unto his death, that if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. And 18 through 21. For many walk of whom I've told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. So again, teaching that there's false the religious leaders, there's false teachers going around teaching false things. It says, even weeping, I'm telling you, they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look to the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. Ooh, he just said it again. He just burned you again, didn't he? Evangelicals and Protestants, he just, your own man again, just continues to just burn your false doctrine, doesn't he? The idea that you guys get so offended, so offended that true Christians believe they can become like God, right? They believe they can become gods, gods like him, glorified in the same kind of body he has. But yet Paul's taught it three or four times already, hasn't he? We've been looking at this. He teaches it all over the place. Like, like each of these epistles is teaching that doctrine. So here again he's saying, 
He's saying that fashioned like unto his glorious body. The body of what? A God, right? If Jesus Christ is God and we're being fashioned after the body of a God, what does that make us? I mean, this is basic stuff. We talk about it every time. It's like elementary school. It's like talking about elementary students, right? You know, uh, I would, I mean, what's a, here's an angel, guys. What's higher than an angel? Well, a God, right? So, <laughs> just basic stuff. But the, Paul teaches it consistently multiple times throughout these verses, throughout his epistles. Because it's true doctrine. So whether you're offended or not, well, I get offended by your false god that you preach, right? Your Trinitarian false false god. You have two, you know, you either your God doesn't is not all loving, because if you know, if, if he loves his children, he'd want them to at least be equal to him, right? In fact, most fathers want their kids to end up more successful than they, right? So if he if he's gonna prohibit you and, and stop you from becoming a god. That means he's not all loving. Now, if he if if he does really love his children and wants us to become like him, but he's not able to do so, he's not able to make us gods, then he's not what? He's not all powerful, is he? Because if he were all powerful, he'd be able to make us to, into gods, right? So your false doctrine, your false trinity, you gotta reject it. You gotta get rid of these false ideas so you can come into the true. Biblical Jesus, the true biblical God, and have a chance of being saved. Okay, so change a vile body that may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, the body of a God, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. If he's able to subdue all things unto himself, he can make you a God. If he can't make you a God, then he's not able to subdue all things unto himself. Very clear. Reject your false doctrine. Reject your false ideas. Chapter 4, look at 6 through 9. Be, be mindful. Uh, it says be careful for nothing, but the idea here is, uh, is um, you know, don't mind anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. What a great blessing. And we're going through uh, six through nine here. So eight. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. And this is from the articles of faith, right? Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. These things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, do. You have to, just as you see me as an example in keeping the Ten Commandments and living a righteous life, you need to do it. You need to do it. It's not just enough to be like Satan and just accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You need to actually go out and do it, become a righteous person and keep the commandments. He said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He says here, um, and her and see me and me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Okay, so well, no, actually, verse eleven, verse eleven, he's got here. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content, and that's the secret to happiness. You need to learn to be content in the situation in which you are. If you're poor, you need to be content. If you're rich, you need to be content. If you if you're educated, you need, you need to be content. If you're not educated yet, you need to be content. True people are, tr are truly happy in, every, in any or every circumstance in which God has placed them. 12 through 13. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and, and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. A lot of great uh, verses here. And 19. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. What a great way to end Philippians. A lot of great scriptures here. Moving on to the Colossians in verse 1. 
Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. I remember his argument here is he's been called by the will of God, not the will of man, as the other 12 apostles have been called by the will of man. In other words, called by James, Peter, and John. He's been called directly by Jesus Christ. And Timotheus, our brother, 7 through 16. As he also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Oh, you poor Protestants and evangelicals. He just did it again, didn't he? He just totally bashed down your religion. Just totally proved it to be a non-biblical uh, false Christianity. Here he says it directly, doesn't he? says that you need to be pleasing God by being fruitful in every good work. You need to keep the Ten Commandments. You need to live a righteous life to please God. It's not enough to just accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The devil does that. He's not saved. Neither are you. He says here after um, verse 10, we go to verse 11. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power and to all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. In whom we have redemption through his blood. Through his blood shed in Gethsemane and on the cross of Calvary, we have redemption and forgiveness of our sins. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Now, invisible in the sense that we don't normally see him, right? Most people have never seen God in their lives. Most people will never see God while they live here on the earth in, in mortality. So in that sense, he's invisible. Not that he's like, really literally invisible and you can't and you can't see him you can see him otherwise moses would not have been able to see him isaiah would not have been able to see him paul would not have been able to see him uh, uh, peter would not have been able to see him you know we could go on and on through all the prophets of the old testament and the new testament of those who saw god so therefore god is not invisible the context here you got it that's why you got to look at the context the context here is just he's just a figure of speech to say He's invisible to you because you don't see him, right? That's the context. Don't take that word out of context and now think that God is somehow invisible. And then soon then you add, well, if he's invisible, then he must be some sort of spirit that floats everywhere and is nowhere present. And you end up with this false Trinitarian doctrine, which Jesus Christ himself declared in 1820 to be, a, to be abominable heresies in, in his sight. Okay, and then we see further that who is the image of the, uh, the visible God, the firstborn of every creature. So Jesus Christ, out of out of our heavenly Father's children, Jesus Christ was the firstborn. Now we know that we always existed as intelligences. At some point in time, we were organized into spirits. Well, he was the first spirit that came forth from the intelligences, right? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth. Again. Within the context, the frame, uh, the, the, the frame of the context here is within our heaven and within our earth. There's no need for Paul to start mentioning other heavens and other earths in some far place in the universe someplace or in, or in some other universe as part of a super universe. He doesn't need to say that because we're not those people and they're not us and we have very little to do with each other. So he, here he's... You got to look at the context. Context, all things created in heaven and then in earth. But our heaven, our earth, not someone living in the, uh, you know, in the, in the Andromeda or Pegasus or some other, uh, you know, galaxy, uh, some other, uh, you know, or even some other universe. Uh, you know, there's no reason, you know, for our heaven and our earth, Jesus created all things both in our heaven and in our earth. Don't take it to be anything more. Than that. That's all Paul is trying to say here. And that visible and invisible, again, not that it's literally invisible, but invisible, we can't see it with the naked eye, right? 
visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And we're going through, yeah, through 16 there, and now we'll go 17 through 23. And he, Christ, is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. He was the first person that rose from the dead as resurrected. They have resuscitations of which somebody is dead and they become alive again, but not the resurrected. They don't receive the resurrected body yet. Jesus is the first fruits of those who actually became, who died and then became resurrected. That's what it's trying to say here. That all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him and to reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled through re repentance, repenting to God, and then through the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. In the body of his flesh, through death, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. And 23, if you continue in the faith, the faith, the gospel of Jesus Christ, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, and which is preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Now, He's talking about the um, continuing in the faith, right? Not just continuing in your acceptance of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, as the devil and his angels do, but the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the gospel of Jesus Christ, you teach living a righteous life and keeping the commandments of God. You have to keep the commandments of God and continue to do so, or all will be lost. He said multiple times already in his other epistles that no unclean thing, can inherit the kingdom of heaven. He's made it very clear. And we will look at uh, 25 through 29. Wherefore I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Now his dispensation is what? The idea that now the Christ has come and died for the sins of the world. The Gentiles, those who are non-Jews, can accept the gospel and receive the same promised blessings. That's the dispensation of the gospel that's been given to Paul to go preach to the Gentiles that they too may become saved. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generation to generation, the Jews thought for generation after generation in the Old Testament that they were the only ones who could be saved in the kingdom of heaven, that the, those who were non-Jews would not be able to be saved. But is now made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Wherefore I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Uh, chapter 2, we'll look at 6 through 21. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. So you need to walk in him. You need to do what he did and live the kind of life that Jesus Christ uh, lived. Not just accept that Jesus is your Lord and Savior as the devil and his, and, and his demons. Uh, verse 7. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. And that's what happened to you, Protestants and evangelicals. You have been spoiled through the philosophy and vain deceit. You've been led astray by philosophers of, of the supposed Christian religion and who've created false, heretical, abominable doctrines, and they've led you astray through their philosophy. After the traditions of man, after the rudiments of the world, and not after the biblical Jesus Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Bodily, because he has a body. But yet your Trinitarian false doctrine teaches that Jesus has no body, no parts, no passions. But yet here, the Bible, and Paul, your own guy, 
He just said that the fullness of the Godhead bodily, bodily, because Jesus Christ has a body. Just proved your false religion false again, didn't he? How many times are we up to now through these through these lessons? How many times has Paul proved that evangelicalism and Protestantism is not biblical Christianity and that it's not founded upon the principles in, in the Bible? He said it over and over again. Every time, every time we look at it, he bashes down your religion. So those of you, we are always extending that invitation, you know, to accept the, the true biblical faith, the true biblical New Testament church, and come unto the missionaries and ha have them help you become a member of Jesus Christ Church. Because as I said before, he's the head of his church. So don't you want to be part of his church? His church is just representation of his heavenly kingdom. His church will become the heavenly kingdom, as we'll learn in the book of Revelation. Okay, so then it says here. Let's see, where were we here? And uh, uh, verse 9, yeah, okay. So now, uh, now verse 10. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, and whom also ye are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Right. So, so you know, they, these uh, James, Peter, and John want to keep mentioning its importance of being circumcised. You don't need to worry about not being circumcised. You're truly spiritually circumcised, made without hands, and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. By the circumcision of Christ. Don't worry, Christ was circumcised. You'd be benefited by his circumcision as you put off the sins of your flesh. So again, Protestants and evangelicals, he just bashed down your religion again, didn't he? He just said you you have to, you have to put off the body of sins. You need to reject sin from your life and stop sinning. Doesn't matter whether you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The devil does that. He's not saved. Neither are you and if you continue in that false belief and false doctrine. Uh, buried with him in baptism. Catholics. <laughs> Catholics, now he's got you guys. And you, you know, your apostle Paul's got you guys a few times too, just not as many as the Protestants and evangelicals or even close to the, to the number of times he's gotten the Protestants and evangelicals. But he's gotten you guys a few times too. Buried, buried. With them in bed, not sprinkled on your head by the priest when you're a baby, but buried. You have to be baptized by immersion completely in the water and come back out of the water, symbolizing the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also you were risen with him. Can't do that by sprinkling. Through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, the law of Moses. He's already taught the law of Moses was, was made so that nobody could keep all 613 commandments. Even though he just said he kept it blameless. And <laughs> yeah, Paul's also said that nobody could keep it blameless and, and perfectly. It was against us to bring us into sin, which was contrary to us, and took it out of, out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, they made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink. <laughs> James, James, Peter, John, Quorum of the Twelve, right? Here he goes, says, let, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or respect of any holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, right? He said, you know, so uh, they're out there preaching you have to keep the law of Moses, uh, saying you have to be circumcised or saying you can't eat meat, right? So that's why he's attacked this several times, said you can't eat meats being sacrificed to idols, but all meat was sacrificed to idols, therefore you really can't eat meat. Uh, or in drink, it doesn't matter what you drink. Remember Paul said, Paul said that before too, right? In respect of any holy day, the law of Moses has a bunch of holy days, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days, all according to the law of Moses. It says these things, you got to keep in mind, we're just a shadow of the things to come, but the body is of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward and the voluntary humility and the worshiping of angels. Ooh, so we see here is the... Apostasy continues to grow. Now they're teaching about worshiping 
angels, which is false because you can only worship the Lord God and him only shalt thou serve. Okay, so intruding into those things which have not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshy mind. You can make it sound like this really educated religion of worshiping angels. You need to know each of them and each of their names. Catholics. <laughs> it's starting to sound like Catholics here, doesn't it? You have a saint of each day, and you're going to pray to that saint, even though we're instructed many times throughout the Bible only to pray to God the Father, right? So uh, this was early Catholicism here. And, um, and he says here, for those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth with the increase of God. Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why is the living in the world are you subject to the ordinances of the law of Moses? Touch not, taste not, and handle not. And so should it be with us with false forms of Christianity. Today, we should not touch it. Taste it or handle it. Just reject it completely from your lives and come unto the biblical faith, the biblical Christianity. Okay, so then we go uh, through, uh, go to chapter three. Let's see. Yeah, chapter three. Here we go, chapter three. If ye then uh, be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, because they're two separate beings, two separate beings with separate flesh and bones. Right? Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. It's interesting, right? Uh, President Nelson, in his recent talk in general conference, talked about thinking Celestial, right? It's right out of here, right out of Colossians 3, right? Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. You should appear with Christ, a God, in glory as a God, right? Now, what do you call that? A God also, right? <laughs> oh, you poor souls, and you've tried to lead us straight millions of people how would you like that you're going to be confronted before jesus christ face to face one day and he's going to ask you why you why you did that why did you attack his true church why did you spread false why did you attack true biblical doctrines that are found directly in the bible hope you have a great answer for that it says uh for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then, we sh then ye shall also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Remember, Jesus said, cast out your eye. You know, If your foot offends you, if your eye offends you, cast it all out. Here we go. Here we go. All evangelicals, Protestants, about to get you guys again. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. And now he's going to say that these members are what? Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Now watch this. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Interesting, right? Now these are all saints of God, right? They're Christians, right? They've already accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior, and yet he has to tell them to kill off all these sins uh, from yourself, or you're going to suffer the wrath of God. Doesn't matter whether you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The devil accepted the as Jesus as his, as his Lord and Savior, right? In which ye also walked sometime when you lived in them, but now you're also put off these. So now you need to also put off these sins as well: anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communi communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you put off the old man with his deeds. So interesting, again, telling you you have to keep the Ten Commandments. You have to keep the commandments of God. Believing in Jesus, accepting him as your Lord and Savior, is not enough to get you to heaven. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. 
Wherefore, there is now, because of Jesus Christ, there's no separation anymore between Greek and Jew. We are all the same. Uh, circumcision or uncircumcision, doesn't matter. Barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy. So again, the commandments we need to keep. You need to be a merciful person. You need to be a kind person. You need to have humbleness of mind. You need to be meek, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ has forgiven you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfect uh, per perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which you are also called in one body, and be thankful. So again, very clear, you have to keep the commandments. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Doctrine and Covenants 25, 12 talk about, talks about that the song of the that that the song of the righteous is a prayer unto God, and he will answer it with a blessing upon your heads. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, as it is fit in the Lord. As he keeps the commandments of God, does his best to follow Jesus, you need to submit yourself to him. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. In a prior epistle, he said that you need to be willing to die for your wife. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. It's the ten, one of the Ten Commandments, to honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long on the earth. It's the only one of the Ten Commandments that actually has a blessing attached to it. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in the singleness of heart, fearing God. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. And so it should be for um, people in countries where they're not slaves, but they work for an employer, for example. They need to work as though they're working directly for Jesus Christ. It says, and, and if you do that, in 24, you'll know that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance for you really are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Come right back to King Benjamin. Those in the service of their fellow beings are really in the service of God, right? But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect to persons. No respect to persons. Doesn't matter whether you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and this other person did not. He says, if you do wrong, you shall receive for the wrong which you have done. Right? Totally contrary to you Protestants and evangelicals who somehow believe a different form of Christianity that is totally contrary to that which is found in your own Bibles. Okay, so we will leave it there in chapter 4. is a lot of uh, salutations and greetings to different um, uh, people here. Um, how does he... Uh, and then um, he just says here in this, the end of this chapter 4, 17, and say to um, Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received of the Lord, that thou fulfill it. Now, we've all been given tasks and different assignments from the Lord. Uh, we know that as we lived as uh, spirits in the preexistence with our Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, we were uh, foreordained to different uh, uh, to do different things on, on the earth. And so we need to find out what our calling uh, is from God, what he wants us to do, and go forward and do it to the best of your abilities. What a great powerful lesson once again by the Apostle Paul. He's taught many great principles, great many doctrines. He's refuted false forms of Christianity once again, as he's consistently doing in each of these epistles. For those of you not yet members of the true church of Jesus Christ, we, special, we extend to you a special invitation from your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to, to come. Come be a partaker of his goodness and of his blessings, of his love, of his peace, which we just learned today passes all understanding. I will leave in the description of this video a link. Just click on that link, reach out to the missionaries, let them know you're ready to accept Jesus Christ in your life, and become a member of his church, and they will help you with what you need to do to be able to do so. For those of you fallen in activity, we urge you and plead with you to come on back, come on back to the saints of God, where you can again receive this great peace of God that passeth all understanding. Closing, we leave our blessing upon you that you may have safe, uh, uh, that you may have safety in your life, that you may have 
food to eat, that you may have shelter overhead, especially now with the uh, in some parts of the world where there's different wars going on. We, we bless you that you may find shelter, those of you who are refugees, that you may be able to withstand the conditions in those refugee situations and refugee camps, uh, that you may not be sick, that you may not suffer any unnecessarily thing uh, to your body that would not be in accordance with the will of God. Bless those of you who are uh, who are sick or uh, suffering different um, illnesses or physical ailments at this time, that according to your faith, you shall be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. And we bless you to have uh, basic financial resources to carry out your mission, your assignment, as we just saw that everyone's been given an assignment from God, that you can carry out God's assignment for you in your life to help your, yourself, your family, and those neighbors and friends that you come in contact with. We'll leave these blessings upon your head and testify the truthfulness of these things. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.